If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello. Welcome once again to another episode of Vacation Rental Success. This is episode number 77. And uh, we've just finished the most amazing long weekend. It's our Victoria Day weekend up here in Ontario, Canada. Usually it coincides with uh, with uh, the Memorial Day weekend in the US. But for some reason, it's separated out by week this year. So uh, I didn't know that until I was listening to the business news on TV this morning. And there was I thinking that everybody had a holiday yesterday. And I'm totally um, switched about today because... Uh, as ever with a holiday Monday, I woke up this morning thinking it was Monday. And of course, it's Tuesday. I have a mastermind meeting um, at uh, 11 o'clock today, which I'd totally forgotten about thinking it was Monday. Uh, and of course, as you're listening to this, it's Wednesday anyway. So it really makes no difference. <laughs> but uh, for those of you in who are listening to me in Ontario, in Canada, I do hope you had a wonderful weekend, wonderful long weekend. The weather here in Ontario was absolutely stellar. It was just glorious. Mike came across yesterday and put our dock in. So uh, we'll be getting the boat in this week. So I'm going to try and do a podcast or two from out in the lake this summer. I mean, what better thing to do than just to uh, take the take the boat out with a microphone and just lay back on the pontoon boat and talk to you guys. I think that would be really cool. Actually, when we do go out on the lake and and I look around at all the properties there are, and uh, and I know there's only half a dozen that actually do rent out. There's so many people in our part of the world that don't actually realise that uh, that rental is possible and that a good income is available from a rental. And what we're going to talk about today is new owners and their in general, their worries, because over the last couple of weeks, since the since the snow went and the ice came off the lakes, I've been out and about talking to dozens of potential new clients for our rental management agency. For those of you who've been listening for, for some time, you know that I run a I would say it's a small agency. You know, we're coming on 185, 190 properties at the moment, and we are uh, registering new ones all the time. And so this this time of year is always really, really busy as as I'm sort of trekking across different parts of southern Ontario to to meet up with new owners, to look at their properties and to evaluate them for rental. So I thought I would use this uh, episode to actually talk about Though that you know that experience this year, because I'm seeing a a pattern of concern that uh, that owners are expressing. I hear the same questions all the time. It it just struck me that this would be a great opportunity to share some of those things because I'm sure if you are a small agency owner, or if you're thinking about going into the business, or indeed if you're an owner that's thinking of renting out your property and you've just come across this podcast for the first time, 
It might be great to hear some of these questions and concerns that people in Ontario are expressing and to realize that you're not alone. Everybody has the same concerns. Everybody covers those same questions um, because it happens every single year when I go out and do all these visits. We've got six different areas I want to cover and hopefully you know, we're going to be talking about you know, the potential for damage, the screening, overcrowd, you know, the potential for overcrowding and partying, how to rent in the low season. And this is a great concern for owners, particularly those who are really operating a, a business, whether it's with one property or whether it's 100 properties. We have a very seasonal industry here in Ontario. It's July and August, and that's about it. So, but, but the potential to rent in other parts of the year is is huge. But you've just got to get the marketing right and do the whole thing right, basically. So we're going to touch on that. I'm going to talk about cleaning and changeovers because we are in this fairly unique situation that most of our properties are very, you know, that they're, they're I say very remote. I don't think they're remote. I don't think anything of driving 20 or 30 miles down a cottage road to to get to this little piece of paradise. Um, but if you're if you're used to, let's say, the Outer Banks or 30A down in Florida near Destin, where the, everything is so easily accessible and there are rentals right next to one another along a long stretch of highway. So so as I say, this this is a little bit uni- more more unique. We don't have the property management companies or or the rental management companies, in fact, that offer property management because all our properties are so widely dispersed. And this is a big concern for, for owners, the whole cleaning and changeover issue. How do I get somebody to come in and clean my property? Another concern that's been coming up a lot is and I'm just calling this our own stuff because so many owners, of course, they use their properties themselves. They are, they're very treasured vacation homes that sometimes have been in the family for, for generations. And they're now turning to rental to, to, to make some additional income and to pay for the property taxes, which are pretty high up here. So their concern is about their own stuff. What do we do with everything that we've accumulated over the years? Do we have to take it out? Do we have to, what do we do with it? So we're going to be covering that. And then also, finally, we're going to talk about insurance because I'm always surprised at how many owners don't realize that they have to have a very, very specific insurance to enable them to rent. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Hopefully that, uh, is going to pique your interest and we'll have you stay with us a little bit longer. And uh, so let's kick off. So the number one question with new owners is, will they trash my place? It, It always amazes me because no, they won't. Or having said that, for anybody who's followed the, the news about the, uh, Calgary apartment, that was rented out on Airbnb just recently and was, uh, you know, if you, if you read the media, the drug-induced orgy that took place at this apartment, 
And of course, I'm going to put a link to uh, to some of these media reports because they just love it. The media just lap this stuff up. They want to know what is the absolute worst that can happen. And you know, it it is always good to know what what is the absolute worst that can happen. But it's also good to know that the absolute worst very, very rarely happens. Do you know if it happened a lot, it wouldn't make news. But it is a concern, particularly for somebody who's interested in renting out their property for the very first time, and they've just turned on their news program. And the number one feature is about the drug-induced orgy at an Airbnb rented property in Calgary. It was definitely a one-off. And this is something I will say over and over again, that it's a one-off. People don't trash vacation homes as a general rule. Of course, there are always the exceptions. And, and that's probably the first piece of advice that I give to our new owners is there is a risk in doing this business. It is a business. Do not expect that you will go, you will start to rent your property and rent it throughout the summer and perhaps a dozen weekends or so in the low season and not experience any damage because it, it, it will happen. People are in unfamiliar locations. They're in unfamiliar places. They're bringing their kids. Their kids have not been to this property before. They don't know where everything is. They might get up in the middle of the night and bang against a glass table. There's just myriad ways in which small damage can happen. And it does. But the, the concept of uh, the hooligan type damage is, um, you know, it, it, it is just really, really, uh, really, really rare. This brings me on to the topic of uh, damage deposits, because in this same question about will they trash my place is usually followed very quickly by, do you take a damage deposit? Well, as a, as a rental agency, uh, we, we, we don't ever cash a damage deposit prior to a guest going into a property. I just personally don't believe in it. I haven't charged a, a, for damage for any of my properties in the 10 years we've owned them, bar one exception. I've had seven properties. I've rented them out very, very frequently to a wide range of people. And in seven properties over the 15 years or so, and not all of them, I haven't had them all seven for 15 years, but you get the picture. Only one incident of damage where I've charged, a, where, where I actually charged the guest. And, uh, and that was, it was horseplay by kids where they were sat on top of a hot tub cover. One of them sat in the middle, two kids on either side, obviously trying to lift this guy up. And of course, the polystyrene cracked on either side. Hot tub covers are $500 to replace. Um, we had very specifically put into our guest guide, our welcome book, please do not sit on the hot tub cover. It's made of polystyrene. It cracks easily. I had no, no problem with charging for that. But even in that case, we did not take a damage deposit. We just simply invoiced the guest and, and she paid up very reluctantly. We charged her $350 and she, uh, she paid up. Um, she wrote a one-star review because of how awful I was. 
she didn't feel that her kids had been um, had been that rambunctious. Uh, I begged to differ. Also, having had a number of uh, neighbour reports about the behaviour of these these children who had been uh, who had been um, skateboarding apparently across the deck, across the hot tub cover, and then onto the yard. So I didn't really have a problem with that. But let that that's by the by. Let's go back to this damage deposit issue. As an agency, we do tell our guests that we hold an authorization to charge for any damage or excessive cleaning charges during their stay. You know, the, the, the usual stuff, but it just rarely, rarely happens. Uh, we also, as an agency, uh, underwrite our own accidental damage protection plan. So we charge a $45 fee and that covers them for up to $2,500 worth of accidental damage. And over the past couple of years, we have had a few, uh, I suppose you could call them major damage issues, all accidental, of a hot pan put down on a countertop. We did pay over $2,000 for, for that countertop. Another incident was uh, where somebody had, they, they'd picked up a, a pan, the handle was hot, and then they dropped it back down on a ceramic hob, which cracked the hob. So that was replaced as well. And that was via our accidental damage protection plan. When I talk to owners and they talk about the potential for damage, that is what I go through. You know, that um, it's it rarely happens. If something does happen that is, that is uh, accidental, it's likely to be covered by our accidental damage protection plan. And we pay out from that, usually for situations that are costing maybe $150 or more, because I do expect owners to take some of this risk. You know, I'm not paying out for a damaged lamp, somebody knocked over a lamp or broke a few wine glasses, but we will pay out for the for the major instances of damage. And that's actually worked out really, really well, having that accidental damage protection plan in place. If you're an individual owner, really the call on whether you charge a damage deposit or not is entirely up to you. But I just want to mention a quote from my favorite customer service guru, John DeJulius, who said, don't punish 100% of your customers or potential customers for what you are afraid that 2% might do. And I have to say, I, you know, I go away to vacation rental every year. And every year so far for the past five years, we've had to pay the damage deposit. We've, we've upfronted $500 or $1,000. And sometime after the vacation finished, we get that back. It always irritates me. It really does. I know the jury's out on this home, whole damage deposit business, but uh, you get my personal perspective here. And my personal perspective is that I trust my guests. And if I was, you know, when I build my Bahama property, there will be no damage deposit. I'm not charging that because I will trust my guests that if damage occurs, that they will pay for it. I hardly expect to be charging them for anything anyway that is not going to be covered by my home insurance. We're going to come to insurance later on. 
So that that was my first point, and in fact, you know, because it's the most major question, it it you know took me a little bit longer than than I expected to talk that one through. The second one really is is similar because it's this worry about damage, but it comes from the concern about overcrowding and partying, and the whole Calgary issue has uh, escalated that concern. And I and I do understand in our location here in Ontario means that the majority, not ninety percent of our guests, are traveling. So, well, let's let's say less than three hours to get to a property, and they're usually coming by car. So, if you can imagine a a small group, maybe three or four four adults, two couples, book a large property two hours from the city. You can imagine the concern that how easy that would be is if they get there and it's just amazing that they just call up their friends and say, come on up for a party. So so that is that worries potential owners that that sort of thing happens. And they also see other properties in the vicinity that are party houses. And there are party houses in any area. Once again, you just got to look at the media and and where concerns are being raised about vacation rentals um, not being regulated. Uh, the concern that usually comes up there is, is, this, is the party house type of rental. So what we do as an agency, and, why, and this is why a lot of our owners actually come to us as an agency, because we are exceptionally good at screening. This is uh, something that bothers many owners if they're if they're with listing sites that are looking for the type of instant booking that does not allow for any screening. And I completely understand because it's something that we could not do. We could not allow instant booking in our properties. Firstly, we'd lose the majority of our owners because they rely on us for, for screening. And secondly, it would, you know, it, it, it's, it's our peace of mind here in the office. We've seen too many instances of requests for rentals from party groups, bachelorette parties, groups of 18 and 19-year-old students on post-prom. This is very, very uh, relevant at this time of year. And we turn away around about 70% of applications for weekend bookings in May and June because they're all for post-prom parties. So our owners really rely on us particularly those with the big properties, to screen for uh, party groups. Because essentially, we're a family-oriented company, and that's our target group, is a three-generational family. Just to give you an idea of, of, of how our screening works, we had an inquiry. It was a couple of years ago, an inquiry for a property, and it was a group of six people, and they were three couples in their mid to late 20s. Now, we usually it's under 25s, but we do screening on over 25s. You know, everybody puts stuff out on their Facebook pages. They tweet about it and, you know, maybe they'll they'll even post stuff on Instagram. If there's a party going on, we know about it because we've been out there on social media and we've we've checked it out. But this cup this this three couple group seemed fine. And we were just about to process the application, but it was for a seven bedroom property. And I'm always, we're always very concerned about 
small groups, and sometimes it's just a couple that will rent a, a very large property. So we have always limited the uh, the rental to the people that are listed on our rental application. You know, you tell us who's coming and and that's for insurance purposes. And uh, if you want any more, then you need to tell us who they are and when they're likely to be there. So we did go back to them and say, is it just going to be the six of you? And the response back was, was interesting because it, it was just a single line is uh, how many parking spaces are there? So we went back to them again and said, well, how many parking spaces do you want? And the response was, well, probably about 30 because we're having a small, a small wedding in the week and we want to make sure that everybody can park. So this group had absolutely no idea that it wasn't going to be possible, A, to park, you know, couldn't park 30 cars at this place anyway, but the fact that they were bringing in around 60 more people just for a day, she said. It's only for a day. They're not going to stop the night, well, except for one or two. But if our screening had not been in place, this this whole situation could have occurred with all these cars arriving at this fairly remote location where there is no no parking for that amount of uh, vehicles, putting that amount of people on a property with a septic system that would cope with maybe 20. And, and of course, um, concerning the neighbours and the potential for, uh, for, for accidental damage. So coming back to that concern about the potential for overcrowding and partying, it's not necessarily people's intention to, to come have massive party. They just often don't think. They don't appreciate that renting a property brings with it a lot of responsibilities. So screening is is our number one activity within our agency. And and I know that there are plenty of properties out there in mainstream US where, where there's a ton of uh, properties close by where screening is not really an issue. Um, and in areas, I think, where people come in predominantly by air. But, uh, but certainly, you know, that's what we do. That's what we do as an agency. And if you're an individual owner, you may want to think about... Um, you know, how you screen and and what your processes are. And certainly don't forget social media. It's a, it's a great tool for sussing out what's going on. So the third question I'm asked over and over again is how can we maximise our occupancy in the low season? Or, or in fact, the question usually comes up with how much can you rent for me? And my answer is generally a well-presented property, something that looks absolutely stunning on the website. And I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to put a link to one of our properties that was posted on our website just recently, about two weeks ago. And within five days, it had fully booked for the summer. And the reason was, uh, it, it just shows magnificently on the listing, which just really, really says it all about amazing photographs. So I say to to my potential owners that yes, if it's presented beautifully, it is going to rent for July and August. That really is just about a given. We have a massive uh, demand for 
high season rentals. It's, you know, it's just the way it is up here in Ontario. And I'm sure in many other parts of the country too. Once Labor Day comes, it's a little bit like the, the gates to Toronto close and everybody stays in and they don't go out again. And we have a little you know, trickle of people who, who get out and go for weekends. So, and on the flip side of that is the lower inventory that we have through the summer or the, the lower supply that we have through the summer is replaced by a massive supply because of the lower demand. So simple supply and demand situation in the low season. My stock answer to this is you. It, it the, the, the property has to look amazing. It has to be fully featured. And by fully featured, uh, I mean that it has to have the features that are going to actually bring people to that property in favour of any other property that might be out there. So for starters, Wi-Fi is the number one uh, asked for feature this year. Um, so if you haven't got Wi-Fi and, and if you've got a less than stellar cell cellular signal, which a lot of places have, then you're not going to get those rentals in low season. Satellite TV is absolutely a must for low season rentals. Um, a hot tub. And certainly once we get into the cooler months, I can see from our calendar in the in October, November, December, and run right through the winter, in fact, that the properties that rent are the properties that have a hot tub and a visible form of heat, you know, an open fireplace of some sort. It doesn't matter whether it's electric, it's propane, it's wood-fired, as long as it's an open form of heat. So, of course, this is going to be different wherever you are. You just need to look at what your low season is and what you can put in there to increase the demand. What's going to beat your competition? That's It's as simple as that. But then, of course, is the marketing because you have to get out there and capture the people that are looking for properties out of season. And they tend to be more niche markets. We look for what's going on in different areas. And let's say in, in May and June in our area, there are groups of people who want to go and train for triathlons. Because we, we live in an area that's surrounded by water, athletes that are training want to go up where the water is so they can and, and have decent roads to cycle and run on and then do some swimming. So we would get in touch with local, um, local triathlon running stores and get them out some print brochures. Yes, guys, I said print brochures. Just a very small leaflet that says, you know, planning your triathlon training. Here's this great place you can come and stay while you do so. It could be in, in the fall, we have a lot of arts studio tours. So all these art studio tours have websites and we get on the websites and we look for, we, we just contact the organizers and do a swap of uh, links. If they will advertise our properties, then we will advertise their arts tour. So that works really well. Any, any event, get in touch with the organizers, check out their website. Another one we have is, is in February. It's local to uh, my cottages and it's a dog sledding weekend in a local, uh, in our very, very small local town. And our property accepts pets. So we can actually take, you know, if somebody wants to bring their trailer of dogs, um, they sleep outside. 
uh, I'm quite happy to have them down in our property or even or, or people coming to spectate. So I will advertise on the um, the website for the dog sledding event in uh, in Marmara. So there are no guarantees, of course, and that's what I would say to, to, to potential owners. There's no guarantee that you're going to rent in the low season. But if you put your heart and soul into looking for opportunities, then you're going to do better than your competitors. And, uh, and that really is the key. Of course, you've got to be open to weekend and short break rentals. Um, we have a number of properties that, uh, that only rent weekly. And it's really, really tough in our area to get somebody coming out for a, for a full week of rental in low season. So you need to look at what does your market want? What does your rental market want? I mean, I know when we build in the Bahamas that the rental market is weekly or longer. Um, you know, maybe the occasional long weekend for people coming from, maybe coming from Florida or, uh, you know, places where they can fly in fairly quickly, people will come for a weekend. But in general, it's going to be week-long year-round. And that's what we will be uh, promoting. But up here in Ontario, in it's tough. It really is tough to get people out for anything longer than a week. Of course, another market is corporate corporate market if you've got a if, if there's a large property if you have a large property with uh, several rooms with ensuite bathrooms then you need to be looking at uh, the business market uh, offering meetings setting aside a room that perhaps can be a meeting room uh, we have one property that has done this and uh, and it works really really well to attract people out in the midweek time so it uh, it attracts in some uh, short breaks that's, that's not necessarily weekends. So you just need to be creative. Uh, and that's what we do as an agency. We have to be creative in renting in the low season. So the fourth big concern that people have in our area is on cleaning and changeovers. We, we are not a property management company. We do not do uh, cleaning and changeovers. That's all the responsibility of our owners. And many of them will hire a local provider to come in and do the changeovers. It always used to be the case here um, that guests were asked to leave the place in an as-found condition, and it still is in some areas. And I, I, it's something I really don't like anymore. If I'm going on vacation, I'm not cleaning toilets, washing floors, etc. on the last day of my vacation. Uh, I've probably run around the place with the vacuum cleaner a couple of times anyway, and the place is going to be tidy. But please don't ask me to clean bathrooms and wash windows, which is something I saw in a um, a recent a, a recent uh, listing. And I think asking guests to do a complete clean and leave in an as-found condition is on its way out, and I'm really glad to see it go. However, that means that you've got to get somebody to come in and do that changeover and give them at least four hours of work. Once again, I'm talking from my position here in Ontario because sometimes a cleaner or a caretaker is having to drive that 20 miles down to a property. Asking them to do a quick one-hour changeover, it's just not worth their while. So give them a good amount of time. 
mean, my my own caretaker does my two properties. She does four hours in one on a Friday and then again on a Saturday. And then through the week, she's doing the laundry. So she gets a good amount of work uh, out of it. So the the whole cleaning and changeover issue really depends on where where you are and what service what services are available for you. So that's probably the, the it's the first thing that I would ask my new owners to do is to source out their property management and it's not just a cleaner it's it's somebody to do the yard work and somebody to do the maintenance. If if we have an absent owner and we have a number of owners that live in Germany and and the UK and we require that they have a property manager in place and quite often it's a neighbor it's it's somebody that uh, that will come in and and do the odd jobs you know if, if a tap is if you know if, if a tap's dripping or if the water pump stops they're usually very happy just to pop round and sort it out so once again that's in the property management book you know how to select your provider uh, number 5 is a question about our own stuff and I had this last week when I went into a property that's being constantly used by the owners and they're not using it as much this year. So they want to rent it out for most of the summer, but they don't want to move out their own stuff. I will always say to them, and this is what I, you know, I do this when I go to a rental. I go into every cupboard and every drawer. Um, I'm not sure why I do it, but I, th- I think we we all do. You know, we're curious we want to know what's available for us, so we'll just check out all the drawers and the cupboards. And you might be looking for a tourist guide, so you're going to go through every available area where it might be. The importance, the important thing is, is that if you have any of your own stuff that you would prefer that your guests don't see and rifle through, then you need to put it somewhere in an owner's cupboard, in a couple of totes that you can put in the basement or uh, put in a locked cupboard. And, you know, unfortunately, that means a bit of work if you've been in the property for a long time and you've got a lot of your own stuff all over the place. But please clear it out and, and don't make it available unless you want it to be picked up and uh, and used. And the same thing goes for food. I was in a property last week and the owner said, you know, I'm here just about every other uh, every other week. And if it's not going to be rented, then I want to use it. And I've got my cupboards full of food. Uh, same again. All you need to do is just make sure you have a lot of empty space for your guests to use. And then if you have your own stuff there, then just label it as... Um, as owner supplies in your welcome book, just put a note that says we use, we use this property ourselves frequently and we hope you love it as much as we do. So you may find that we have some food supplies in the cupboards. Um, but, and, and although we have left you plenty of empty shelves to put your own things, if you need something that you forgot and you find it amongst our supplies, please help yourself and we would we would be very grateful if you'd replace it with something similar before you leave. And that has worked really, really well for our owners who have their own stuff. The other thing that I'm asked about frequently is family photos and and knickknacks. You know, I remember going to one place where there was a collection of 
skulls right the way across the mantle. And they were mouse skulls, rat skulls, chipmunk skulls. It was whatever. You know, the kids had been out foraging and had over the years and had had amassed this wonderful collection of skulls. So I did suggest very politely that they moved their collection of skulls perhaps into, I mean, they could put them into a display cabinet on the wall, but take them off the mantle. Uh, as far as photos are concerned, I quite like the idea of, of having a number of, a, a very small number of family photos around. You know, the, the sort that may, maybe it's, a, it's your kids jumping off the dock or the dog chasing a ball or, or something, you know, not, not necessarily all your, your, your kids' wedding photos or the new baby photos, but images of your family enjoying their time at the property. That's the sort of photos that uh, is, is, is pretty much okay to leave as long as you don't overdo it. The reason for that is that when guests come to the property, they, they want to treat it as their own. But if they see that it's a family property and that it's used by a family, they do tend to have a little bit more respect for it than if it's just a sterile environment that, that really is no different from a resort or a hotel room. So it uh, it gives them it just reminds them that they are in somebody else's home, but doesn't remind them to the extent that they feel that they're invading somebody else's space. So there's a real balance to be um, to to reach with this. So that really covers you know the questions that people have about their own stuff. So finally, um, this is this is not a question that I'm often asked, it's the one that I ask them, which is, have you thought about rental insurance? Now, very often I get the response from people who say, I didn't know I needed insurance, or yes, I do have insurance and my policy covers rental. Well, in fact, if you look at a general insurance policy, there may be coverage for rental, but it is for residential rental. It's for uh, renting out for a period of, of a year or more, usually. And it would be for rentals that come under the Landlord-Tenant Act. Because there is protection in there and insurance companies uh, understand about that type of protection, what they don't like is the vacation holiday type of rental because in very few areas is there any legislation uh, covering this, um, a protection for owners and protection for renters. It's really important and that's that we won't take on any property unless the, the owners have secured a specific uh, rental, a vacation rental rider on their policy or they've been to a specialist provider that can uh, that, that can give them coverage. Now, sometimes this coverage only allows a certain amount of time, so many days per year, so many, um, so many weeks. Some providers ask for specifically, and we have come across this a couple of times, providers are saying that you can only rent if you rent through a registered agency doesn't happen very often, but when it does, you know, I think it's great because <laughs> they're coming to us. But, you know, it's really worthwhile if you are out there looking for insurance that you check the uh, the conditions extremely carefully because, uh, you know, you can 
it, it is very unlikely you'll ever need that insurance. But if you do, you want to make sure that you haven't contravened any of the restrictions on the policy. And, and on top of that, I will always say to our potential owners that this is a business. Don't even think of going into it without thinking of it in that way. And it doesn't matter if you're only renting for a couple of weekends a year or a couple of weeks a year, or you want year round activity, you have got to consider it as, as a business and treat it as such. So that is, those, those are the six major questions that, uh, that I'm, I've been concerned with over the past few weeks. It's, there's very rarely any new ones that come up. It's just sometimes they come in a different order each year. So if you're an agency owner or if you're thinking about getting into the agency business and you're out there looking for new owners, so owner acquisition is is your goal, then it's a really good idea to take these concerns and map out what your responses are going to be to each one and make sure it's really, really comprehensive and that you've got some examples to to demonstrate your knowledge in every single area. So talking about agency owners, for those of you who have been contacting me recently, I will be getting back to you personally in the next couple of days. Uh, we've had this long weekend. I was looking after Mike's kids over the weekend, which is... Um, time-consuming. So I haven't had a great deal of time to uh, to follow up. But if you did contact me personally with some questions about um, setting up, starting an agency, growing an agency, um, taking your rental management company to the next level, then I will be getting back to you. And we've got some really great news about that coming up very, very shortly. So, uh, so watch out for that. I'm really, really delighted for, for my next episode to be interviewing uh, Bob Jenkins from Lead Pages. If you have been thinking about lead generation, uh, capturing guests' email addresses or potential owners' email addresses, and how to how to use different methods to get them on an email list, then you really need to listen to my interview with Bob. Um, he's a great guy. He's been my coach in the past, and I am so happy that I'm going to be interviewing him on the podcast next week. So that's it for now. Uh, I hope you're still with me. Uh, I always start out these solo episodes thinking they're going to be about 20 minutes and end up at 50. So, you know, as I say, hope you're still with me. Thank you very much for joining me again. And uh, I'll look, and you know, as ever, please go and make a comment on the show notes if you enjoyed this episode. And let me know personally at heather at cottageblogger.com if there is anything else you'd like me to cover. I've got some great, um, I have some really, really good interviews and episodes coming up. So, uh, but I'm always interested in hearing more. So until next time, thanks for being with me and have a great day. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.